Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our celebration of Pride Month with a revisit of Shit's Creek. And we are just going to mainly just going to be focusing on the way the show handles sexuality, because I think the show handles sexuality better than basically any other show out there, frankly. So I really wanted to revisit it. Plus, this is one of our most popular episodes. The first one we did is in our top five. So that's why I wanted to revisit it. So, yeah, so this should be a lot of fun. Only people returning from that one are Meg and Carla. And then we have two other people joining us, one of whom who has not been on here in like, I think the last time was actually last Pride Month. So I think it might have been. I don't know. Um, But this should be a lot of fun. But before I have my panelists introduce themselves, just a quick housekeeping note. If you used to support the show, we are still taking supporters. We're just, it just switched a little bit. And it wasn't, I didn't know it was just going to cancel everybody's support, which is what happened instead of giving me a chance to let everybody know. And so what it is now is you can subscribe to the show for $2.99 a month. And what that subscription comes with is you get bonus episodes. Like right now, the Christian Bale episode, the Christian, excuse me, Christian fucking Bale episode that Carla and I did as a bonus, you is no longer available to everybody. That is now only available to you if you subscribe. So you'll get stuff like that. Other things, we'll probably be covering fanfics. I already think we might do the Freaks and Geeks episode as a bonus episode and not as a regular episode. So that one would be coming up. So stuff like that. And then if you support the show for six months straight, you will also get um, a chance to either be on an episode. This includes our live streams. Or you get to decide a topic that we cover within reason. <laughs> so it's up to my discretion as well. Um, and then also, I just want to let you know, for our live stream, that's going to be tomorrow, since this is dropping on Friday. It looks like what we probably will be doing is just a hodgepodge thing. And we'll just have people on and we'll just talk about various other LGBTQIA plus media just because what I wanted to do didn't end up happening because I am stupid and decided I would try and have local drag queens on the weekend of pride. So that was not a good idea. (laughs) So that's why that fell apart. Okay. So I'm going to have my panelists introduce themselves and tell me one thing they're into right now in pop culture. Start with you, Carla. Hi, I'm Carla. And today in pop culture, I am into... I'm really into trying very hard to pay attention or more like to keep up with my son when he starts telling me everything he has learned that day from the uh, Wow in the World podcast. It's a podcast for kids and they they teach them like all kinds of, you know, cool facts and scientific discoveries and, and they do little, you know, like experiments through the show and they have a great cast of little characters that they that they use. It's a really great podcast, but when you try to process it through a nine-year-old's mind and he's very, very quick to pick up on some things and you're not, 
that gets a little bit more challenging, but I, I love it. It's great if you have kids who are curious and, and, uh, and just love piling on the facts into their tiny little sweet brains. Uh, this is definitely where you want to look for content for them. Awesome. Yeah. For all the people that have kids like me, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go ahead and plant Fergie in front of Fergie. the world. I might have to tell my kid about that. So I don't have to not have to. She's been listening to her dad's podcast, the adventures of moose and goose all night, every night. I'm like, oh. I hear, so like I go to bed and I hear my husband talking and he's nowhere around me. And I'm like, am I haunted? <laughs> by a living man. You are, obviously, yes. That's also a great podcast. And that one, my son knows by heart. Like he, he knows the episodes. He has listened to them so much. He knows them by heart. Another great one for kids if you're looking for other stuff for kids, Brains On. Fantastic podcast for kids. Oh, I need some for my 16 and 18 year olds who are very much into STEM. So oh, I might have to check cool. that out. They're great. They're great. I mean, like, I'm an old and I enjoy it. So I'm an nice. old and I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Joyce, who has not been on here since I think I think it actually was probably our it was either Queers Folk or Sense8. I'm trying to remember because yeah. it was like a year ago. Yeah. So, so I'm happy to have you on. Like everybody knows. I Like everybody knows. I don't know if I've said it a hundred times. <laughs> I've known Joyce since I was five. So basically I've known Joyce my whole life. And yeah, so I'm very happy to have you back on. So what are you into right now? Thank you. I'm happy to be on. Um, you know, I have been so out of the loop and I haven't been watching anything or listening to anything. But when I was, I was super into a podcast called Tig and Cheryl True Story. Um, which is Tig Nataro, who is a comedian, and Cheryl Hines, who was um, Larry David's wife mm -hmm. on um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is a very strange friendship, but uh, the podcast is hilarious. And I, I, every time I listen to it, I end up laughing out loud, sometimes hysterically. Uh, so it's a really good one. And I love all the other podcasts you guys just mentioned. Brains On is such a good podcast. I listen to that sometimes when I don't have kids around. <laughs> <laughs> it really is that good. That's awesome. And have you seen Army of the Dead yet with Tig Notaro? No, but Sarah was watching that last night and um, she did a spoiler and told me what happens to Tig's character. So I already oh. know. Uh, oh. It's fine because I, uh, in my old age, am kind of a chicken and I can't watch anything violent anymore except zombie stuff, which that one's kind of a zombie. Is it a zombie one? It is a zombie one, yeah. And it's oh, much okay. more action and it's not really scary at all. And it's, it's yeah. got a zombie tiger. Yes. Wow. It is worth watching just for the zombie tiger. It's, oh my god. It's like Ocean's cool. Eight, but with zombies. Exactly. Oh, it is. Yes. Like Ocean's 8. Yes. That's well, exactly I, the way. That sounds really cool. Actually, I probably will watch it. It's fun, and then you can go watch our live stream on YouTube where we discussed that for like three <laughs> hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, 
that's and I still I haven't released that as a podcast episode because I don't want to deal with editing that one. <laughs> that's so, one of the bonuses, uncut. Yes, that actually, actually, I am thinking it's going to be a bonus episode. So subscribe, everybody. <laughs> You'll just get the uncut. I'm just going to put a compressor on it, and that'll be it. <laughs> Boom. Unleash it into the world like you would a zombie tiger. Ah, good call, Carla. <laughs> awesome. And then Meg? Um, yeah, so I actually, per Aaron A's suggestion, I started watching Winona Earp. Uh, became obsessed and now I'm really sad that I can't seem to find season four for free anywhere. So I'm trying to uh, like, can, this is how I can tell I'm an old, I'm like, Ooh, 1399. That's, <laughs> that's kind of steep. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, other than that, I'm just rewatching bones and Joyce reminded me um because I am also a weenie who doesn't watch anything. And it just reminded me about how scared I used to be of criminal minds because I would have to like lock all of the doors whenever I would watch it. Cause my husband was always gone and it was always like a suburban mom being murdered. <laughs> I was talking to Carla the other day and I was like, when did this become my comfort show? Like, 2020 did something to me. I guess. <laughs> anyway. Murder and is the comfort. <laughs> yeah. It's the only non-true crime. Uh, murder. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. See, Meg would be really into like Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street if those were true crime stories. So yes. if you were like, following someone who actually did that, she'd be like, I, I'm all over this. <laughs> I feel like it's because they're like, well, they're going to describe everything to you, but you won't actually see it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You just, yeah. just my imagination, I guess, is so terrible that I'm like, okay, that sounds normal. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah, who Sarah is not, this is not Sarah Joyce's wife, Sarah. This is Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> so I mean, this I, is I not Sarah's Sarah wife, if you want. I mean, that, totally Sarah cool didn't ruin Army. This this Sarah did not spoil Army of the Dead. <laughs> I, I have seen it, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Um, yeah, uh, I, I just had to laugh at Meg because I'm kind of the same way. Horror movies, I'm like, true crime? Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, right now, of course, being the Marvel fan that I am, Loki, which uh, just premiered last Wednesday, and I couldn't watch until today because my parents were in town for uh, my son's graduation. Sorry. Mom, shout out there. Graduated high school. I'm so proud. He's autistic, and this has been kind of a journey. And the fact that he graduated with a 3.75 GPA and honors and all of that, I just, I'm thrilled. Sorry. Shameless mom promotion. Apologize. Don't apologize for that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I have to brag on my kid every once in a while. Um, but anyway, Loki, yes, that that is my obsession right now. And Loki has been my obsession for, oh, I don't know, when was Thor released? Like 10 years ago. And I absolutely adore Tom Hiddleston and the character. So, yeah, that's kind of my thing at the moment. And I am always rewatching Bones as well because that's like my comfort show. 
I haven't but, rewatched it in so long. And I just oh my god! I, like, I just uh, how it got twelve seasons on Fox when they cancel everything. I have no idea. Well, so I, what happened that is was pretty remarkable. <laughs> right? I started I started watching Seal Team because I'm forever on a quest of shows to watch. And I was like, what or, or does David uh, Boreanaz thing or David Boreanaz thing? Right. I was like, I was like, this is a little, this is a little bit too like, yeah, military Seal Team. And I was like, I could. <laughs> Like I I couldn't do it. So but then I was like, but I like David Boreanaz. Yeah, yeah. So back to Bones. <laughs> Which yeah, I don't get, but I really will not judge openly. I Bones, and I mean, kind it's of the pretty. same with Buffy. Although Spike, we we we, we had a whole episode on yeah. that. So yeah, and yeah, we're we're revisiting Buffy later this year. Sweet. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Aaron. And I'm going to mention a few things, actually. Um, I'm going to cheat here. I went and saw In the Heights earlier today, and I got to see it in Dolby Digital, which is the best way to see this movie, because since it's a musical, you actually feel the music in your seat. And it was so good and so much fun. And Anthony Ramos is just, he's just chef's kiss. He is so good. Uh, So I highly recommend that. And then, as everyone would, I followed that up with watching the remake of Amityville Horror, <laughs> which is just logical. Because that makes so perfect sense. It does. Right. In the Heights to Amityville Horror with Brian Reynolds. Yes, it's the Ryan Reynolds yeah. remake one. Okay. Yes. yes. Like, I mean, I totally get the logic. He yeah. looks very hot chopping that wood. Well, yeah. As he yeah. gets and angrier and angrier, and, and you sit there and go, just leave him. Who cares about this? I mean, how can he not look hot? It's Ryan Reynolds. Now, and also, here's a fun fact. I do not like horror, even if it's based on a true story. That's, I can't do that's it. Awful. You would think. <laughs> the murders are true, but the whole Amityville thing is a total. Anyway, we'll get into that yeah. in October when we actually talk about the Amityville. I series. will not get into that. No, you will not get into that. So those those are the few things. Yeah, and I and I got to see the Lost Boys last night at Red Rocks on a big screen, and that was so much fun. And the saxophone scene is Carla's favorite scene in the movie, and so I sent her pictures of it, and it was just so much fun. Like last week, she also sent me a clip of a saxophone guy, which (laughs) was the worst thing she could have ever sent me because now I'm obsessed with him. Yes, I went down this whole rabbit hole of, of like reading interviews and looking at other videos of other performances of his. And I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? I hate the saxophone so much, but this guy is so into it. This yes, is, I really don't know why. Now so, I'm into this guy. This is so on brand for you, Carla. God, isn't it though? <laughs> All right, so, so my 16 year old oh plays the saxophone and. No, I can't look at it the same way. I'm sorry. No, it's, I'm sorry. It's like the worst instrument. It's, it's cheesy. And people, I wanted to play the sex so bad. When when they want songs to be sexy. And I'm like, why does, like, you know, a fish honking in my ear, how is it supposed to turn me on? I do not understand this. But enough about my saxophone hate. We're here to talk about Schmidt's crazy. Middle-aged Meg and Meg's current middle-aged daughter are both like really heartbroken to hear this anti-sax rant. Rant. Just send be a sax, bunch of Be sax and... positive. Yes. <laughs> be sax positive. Not okay. possible. 
Okay, we're going to get into Schitt's Creek. And if you don't know, <laughs> because you're going to hear Carla say Schmitz Creek throughout this whole episode, as everybody knows, Carla's really cute little thing is she really will not swear. So, <laughs> like, the, and it's not even a swear word. Isn't even that. It's the Schmitz Creek when it's not even a swear word is the most adorable thing <laughs> right. in the world to me. So, just uh, a heads obviously, up on that. you're not from New Jersey where, you know, the F word is pretty common for us. <laughs> no, but I am from South Florida and oh, there's plenty, okay. plenty of cursing down here. So, that shouldn't <laughs> be a problem and yet it is. It's not, it's not a problem, it's a thing. Anyway, please come to the It's okay, we love you. <laughs> okay, Everyone so- keep focusing on Carla. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you, I like it that way. I know you do. Ouch. <laughs> I have a supportive wife. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to get into Schitt's Creek now. Um, So we're going to just, like I said, we're just going to be talking about the sexuality in the show. And what I first want to start out with, just because I think it's one of the best scenes ever, and I know in real life people have used this scene as a way of coming out. So I think that's pretty, that makes it even more special. And that's the wine scene. So if you don't, well, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you know what Schitt's Creek is and you know this scene. But this is the scene um between david and um stevie and it's where david is basically explaining his sexuality to stevie through wine and it's just a great way of doing it i think and it's just a really uh interesting scene and it's also awesome because david is pan and that's something you don't see on television shows and especially something that would be explored and embraced and not treated like he was like either a slut or, you know, something even worse. So I think that's awesome. So I want to know, what was it like the first time you saw the wine scene, Carla, and your thoughts on the wine scene? There's no way to overstate the importance of that scene. I mean, that scene is talked about so much because it is so important and it's so beautifully done. And it's just a quick thing. You know, there's not a big long explanation about his sexuality. He doesn't sit Stevie down and like go through this whole thing and whatever. It's like, no, David has just uh, had a rendezvous with Stevie and Stevie is kind of like shocked because first of all, they're, they're, they're becoming very close friends. And then also because she had assumed that he's gay. So they're at a wine store and I'm just narrating this as if like nobody has watched this a million times. <laughs> I don't know why I do this, but like we've all watched it a million times. And yet here I am telling you yet again, what happens. They're at, at a, at a store, they're picking up wine to take to, um, to Ted's house for a house party or a dinner party, whatever. It's supposed to be a party. It's not a party. It's a sit down. And so then Stevie compares, you know, she says, you know, I thought that you liked red wine, but I guess you also drink white wine. And then David, once he catches on to what she's talking about, he's like, oh, okay, well, I like the wine and not the label. And that is the most perfect way. It's the most perfect way to explain his sexuality without going into details, without really needing to to say very much more. And Stevie gets it and she doesn't make a thing about it. The whole episode, you know, it's not about making a thing about it. And in fact, the I think like the, the main story of the episode is it's this, but it's also Moira and Johnny going to to Roland and Jocelyn's for a for a luau. 
but the, I mean, that just really sticks with you, particularly if you have a, a, a hard time kind of explaining to people that, okay, well, I'm not like gay in the way that you might think that you might uh, have that as a binary in your head, not straight, also like bi, but like bi plus. So how do you really explain that? So here you have this perfect way to explain it and you can um, translate something so complex into something fairly simple in such few words. And it's also just a, a great moment of showing the friendship between David and Stevie and how she just, she gets it right away. And like I said, she doesn't make a big deal out of it. She doesn't make a big fuss about it. It just makes sense. It clicks and then move on, which is part of the reason that why this show is so great when it comes to sexuality is that there's not a huge dwelling on sexuality. It's just David happens to be pan and he's living his life. And that's all that you need to know about, about it, which, you know, in so many other shows, it becomes a tortured thing, you know, where like everything has to, um, where, where the, the character sexuality um, defines them, I guess, in a way. And this is just part of who David is. And then we move on to the next scene, you know, and, and yes, I know that um, sexuality is a very important part of people's lives. And particularly if you're not straight, but I think that the way a lot of shows handle it as making it like the, the main thing about the character really does a disservice to that character because then that's all you're focusing on. And then they become, you know, the, um, the after school special every single episode instead of getting to just grow and love and be happy or be miserable for other reasons like David's personality, for example. But I think that, that this that the way that this is handled really clears the way for him to just go on and be a disgruntled pelican for the rest of the show's run. Yeah, yeah. And Joyce. Um, I love this scene because it's so normalized and it's not a big deal. And the first time that I saw it, I was like, yes, I know what I know exactly what you're saying, and I totally can relate to that. And it was uh, it felt very liberating and like, oh, finally, somebody is just talking about this as a normal thing. And it's not, yeah, exactly what Carla said. It's not the entire identity of the character. And like, as someone who's been in the straight community and the gay community and all kinds of different communities, I've definitely encountered uh, people of all different kinds of orientations identifying themselves and, you know, making that their label and either justifying it or explaining it or making it so much of who they are that it isn't fluid and it's very fixed. And um, I just I just notice that that can be restricting and limiting um, because if you define yourself in a certain way forever and ever, then there are things that you might miss um, mm -hmm. and might not be open to. And um, so I love, 
that it's normalized and I love that it's relatable and I love that it's this sweet, intimate conversation, but it's also very lighthearted and Mm -hmm. you just move right through it, but you can feel the profoundness in it. And I think like David's character does that so well through the whole thing. Like I was rewatching an episode today and he said something about how he just like brought home a couple one day and told his parents to deal with it. And that was like how he came (laughs) out. And I'm just like, I can relate to that so, so much of just like, if it's a non-issue for you, because you don't necessarily attach yourself and your ego to that label, um, then other people just have to adjust because it doesn't stress you out to not have that be labeled. And sometimes it stresses other people out to have it be labeled, especially if they disagree with the label and what it means um, and the implications of that. But that's one of the things that I think is just glorious about David's character is he doesn't suffer fools in that way. He just mm-hmm. is like, here I am and, and you can love me or not. So. Yeah. yeah, totally. He, and he's that way about every single aspect of who he is, is that way. Every single yes. part of him, you know, wearing sweaters when it's really warm outside. Just, I mean, even that it's, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Not just sweaters, leather sweaters. Yes, leather. I know. I'm always like, leather oh my sweaters. gosh. Right, cannot relate. I mean, no way. You know, it's like ninety-five degrees in Denver, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, how how is that possible? Well, I will tell you, like, I live in in South Florida. I think I've already mentioned that. Either way, South Florida. (laughs) Um, And in high school, I would wear my my school jacket no matter what the temperature was. I just always going around. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody's silent. I'm just trying to relate to David here, okay? Like Texas was like that too. Yeah, it didn't matter. They everyone was wearing. If they had a varsity jacket, they were wearing it. It could be 110. It could be 30. It didn't matter. Yeah, mine wasn't even a cool like varsity jacket where I'm like, oh look, I sports. No, (laughs) this is just the regular school jacket that I would wear everywhere because I was like, I don't want people to look at me. So I'm gonna wear a jacket. (laughs) And Meg (laughs) (laughs) make it sad. I don't know how to follow that. (laughs) Like honestly, um yeah. So I absolutely love the wine analogy, and I'm not even going to talk necessarily about the scene. I think Carla and Joyce um, really did a great job kind of talking about the scene itself. Um, but it's what's so wonderful about that analogy is it's so accessible. It's not only accessible for people who are looking for a way to come out um, and to try and simplify and describe who they are to somebody without being super heavy about it or without having to get into the nitty and gritty details. Um, and it's also really great for people who are being come out too, because a lot of those nitty gritty details are things that it's just had, people may just not be able to wrap their heads around for better or for worse. Um, the wine versus the label though is something that I think a lot of people can like picture and envision and and accept and take into their brain as a as a just a really simple way 
And I think that's so beautiful. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things this show has actually given us, if I'm being perfectly honest. It's just, I know personally it helped me check off the boxes in my, you know what I mean? It helped me simplify the definitions. Because when you look at like the LGBTQIA plus community, there's a lot, there's a lot to try and and understand. And this was just a way it was like, we're not going to get too deep about it. I am more than just who I sleep with or who I'm in love with, or if I sleep with anybody at all, we're going to, I'll tell you, and then we're just going to move on. And I think that's such a fantastic thing that the show gave us. And I think having David be a pan character and finding out early that he's a pan character and not having like this big coming out build up or, or strife or angst for it. It's just like, he's already passed all that. Like he's a, he's got anxiety, but it has nothing to do with that. (laughs) Um, But to have it just be like, yeah, this is a thing. And, and that's it. And not have it be like the central focus of who he is and his storyline. It's just a part of him. Just like, being cishet is just that's it that's yeah i don't know i'm kind of going off on the rails now so i'm gonna take a nap (laughs) no that was good sarah your thoughts on the wine i'm sorry i'm 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 not sure i can add anything to this because that scene was just so beautiful um the analogy and and how stevie starts the conversation and she's like i only drink my wine he's like okay and until last night i thought you only drank red wine he's like oh okay i see where you're going with this and how he comes up with that analogy is just amazing and how she's just i mean first of all i love the relationship between the two of them it's just mm-hmm wonderful beautiful friendship and i i know we'll probably go into that a little bit later um but it's she's like oh okay yeah that makes total sense and they just kind of that that's the end of it that's the end of the conversation and how normal and how open and accepting she is to that like oh all right yeah i get it um and I, I just, oh my God, I just absolutely loved about that. And it just, oh, it just still makes me tear up a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I rewatched a few episodes today in preparation and I'm a little emotional. Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't have too much more to add. I just, one thing I do really appreciate about it also, appreciate about it also is I think if this had been written by somebody else or done by somebody else, it would have been tempting to make this a comedic scene and make it be a joke. And it's never a joke. No, it wasn't. And that's, and I, I really appreciate that about this scene because, and a lot of stuff in this show that, I mean, this is a comedy, but there are a lot of things that in lesser shows, they would be taken as jokes and they're not in this one. And I, in this show, and I just really, really appreciate that. And I know that was very intentional. We're going to talk in a little bit here about the lack of homophobia and how that was completely intentional and something Dan Levy was just like insistent upon doing. Um, And so I think that's why it was it, why this scene was not played off as a joke. There was nothing 
jokey or comedic about it. And it was just so simple. And that's also appreciated. It wasn't, you know, like everyone said, it wasn't this big, huge, drawn out storyline where, okay, is David going to come out now? Or is it going to be now? Or what is he hiding? Or, you know, or who's going to turn against him? Or is everybody going to accept him? And that's so refreshing to see because if, as we've talked about this month, we've talked a lot about repression and repressed homophobia and internalized homophobia um, a lot this month. So it is refreshing not to have that in a show or not to have that in something that you're talking about because there's so much trauma and pain out there. And so to have kind of something that isn't focused on that is really, really nice. And also echoing again that Stevie never once questions accepting him. It's just, and she wouldn't be Stevie if she didn't accept him anyway. So, you know, but so it's really nice to see that too, that you don't have to have this big struggle of her dealing with that. Yes, she has a struggle later on dealing with her feelings for David. Uh, but that's has nothing to do with this. So that was really nice too. So, okay, well, let's get into David and Patrick's relationship uh, because <laughs> everybody gets this really cute on their face. Yes, I, I love David and Patrick. They're very, very, very sweet. And like I've said, I've been trying to get my mom to watch this show for so long because this is a show Taylor made for her. And she just cannot do it. And it's because she can't get past the first season. There's something it, it's really it's um, it's Roland is the character that she just can't stand. So she has a hard time watching it. But I've played her scenes of David and Patrick because I'm like, this will get you to want to watch this. And she loves those scenes. So I just wish she would just be like, you know, I'm like, just jump to this season then, mom. <laughs> Start in the middle of season three and you're good from there. Yes. Um, and of course, David is Patrick's very first relationship with another man. So that also makes this relationship important. And I do know, I do want to say, first off, before I get to Carla, that I have heard one criticism I have heard of this relationship is uh, I was listening to, I think it was Pop Culture Happy Hour. And one of the panelists on there, he was speaking, he's like, you know, as a gay man, your first relationship with a man. I just don't think it would be healthy or wise to make that be the person you end up staying with the whole time instead of exploring other relationships or other possibilities. So I just thought that was interesting. I just wanted to bring that up because that's the first time I've ever heard any kind of critique of this relationship. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, but Carla, what do you think about their relationship? Well, to start with what that person said, David himself had a bit of anxiety about it. He was worried about yeah. it. So he said to Patrick, well, you know what? Why don't you... Patrick was being flirted with a, with a, a cute guy at the store. And David told him, well, just go out with him. You know, go out with him. Enjoy it. And if, you know, and in his mind, he's like, okay, if, if we need to... You know, I, I, I don't want to keep you from dating other men. Because I know that's a lot of pressure. When you've just come out and... You're in your first uh, gay relationship. So I don't want to keep you from exploring things. So I, I do think that they kind of deal with it. And then it becomes Patrick's choice to stay with David. Patrick feels like he doesn't need to. You know, he's like, well, you're the person for me. I, I don't need to find anything else. And then also that, that's just, 
I mean, I, I'm not a gay man, so I don't know, you know, there might be other things that I'm not considering because I'm not a gay man, but I feel like there are a lot of stories where somebody's first love is the per first person that they date, like their college sweetheart, their high school sweetheart, and things end up working out. And not just in, in real life, but like plenty of stories on TV and in film will have that, where it's like the, per the first person that you date when you're subtle as an adult or the first person that you met, you know, like whatever. So I, I don't think it's that outlandish. I don't think it's unhealthy. And I think also because it is a show with with like a finite amount of, of story in it, it would have just made the whole thing very weird to not to, to you know to change that but that's okay so there's that the relationship as a whole it's so beautiful and so wonderful and so for me it was very unexpected as a viewer because you know when you're watching a show and and you they make such a big deal about how fussy and delicate david is you don't really expect anything to stick around for very long so you you think okay well he's going to drive somebody away or he'll just like date a bunch of people and um and it'll be you know like a different person every half season or whatever um and it's not like pretty early in season three they bring patrick into the story and you're just like wow this like sarcastic smirking dude is so perfect for david how you know, just it, it, it's, it's amazing. They have a great chemistry. They have a um, a great back and forth, and they're just so much fun to watch. And you just root from them for them immediately. You know, it, and it's it's also funny that the way that it that it that it unfolds. You know, um, Patrick's just this guy who's as David sees it, standing in his way between him and his store. And you know, the, the first thing he's like. Um, he's a business major in straight leg uh, denim. You know, that, that's his impression of of all that Patrick is. And then as Patrick keeps coming around and gets becomes more and more helpful and kind of tries to, you know, dig deeper into David's life because this guy is just, it, it's, it's funny how um, shy he can be about stuff and yet how straightforward he is. Like when, when he's, you know, kind of circling around David and not really being directly to the point about his attraction and about what he wants and everything. And yet, you know, he's telling David about this, uh, this business grant that he could probably get. And David's like, well, I guess if you end up getting it, he's like, Oh, I'm going to get the money. You know, he's like so self-assured in some, in some ways. And, and it's just, it, he's self-assured in all the ways that David isn't. And that's part of why they complement each other so well. And I also love how he irritates David the same way that Stevie does, you know? So, so he's getting all these elements of his best friend and somebody that he can, who has all of the other elements that are lacking in his relationship with Stevie to make it a romantic relationship. Because David and Stevie are perfect as best friends, but they just, they're kind of off in some things. And that's why, you know, the, their little um, friends with benefits thing didn't go any further than that. 
which was also a hilarious, hilarious thing to watch because you're just like, God, they just so seem so they seem so right for each other. But why am I not on this ship? I don't get it. <laughs> um, and the ways in which then David can be so given to giving to Patrick. You you already know that David is a very caring person and that he he loves deeply and um, he will do anything for the people he cares about. You see that then his relationships with with particularly with Alexis. Um, the, definitely he's there for his for his mom and dad and you know he and Stevie have this magical friendship but he's a really caring loving big brother to Alexis and he will do anything for her even as he's complaining about it because you know that's just what older siblings do I'm not sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, but that that caring really starts to blossom even more when he's with, with Patrick, you know, he, he's, he's somebody who is very closed off emotionally because of just all kinds of hell that he went through in his past. And then Patrick comes along and makes him feel secure makes him feel safe and makes him feel like, okay, he can be all the things that, that he is to a partner with somebody who is not going to let him down. So they, it's just, it's a beautiful little symphony. And also, uh, you know, we, we can't fail to mention the, um, the, the singing of Simply the Best to each other, which is just probably the scene that I've seen the most is Patrick singing Simply the Best to David at the store. Because not just because, you know, it's them and the way that they're looking at each other, which is, oh my God. God, you want your heart to melt? You just watch that scene on repeat nonstop. My husband because... actually banned that scene in our house. <laughs> because he's heartless? Oh my God. Um, yeah, we're going to go with heartless. And that's <laughs> I was completely oh my God, that scene joke. just makes makes me melt. It's so yes. cool. oh my God. Yeah, exactly. And you can get a version, you can get that song, a uh, version of the song on Spotify, and you Ooh. will you, you will melt just listening to it that way too okay yes because it's not because no, quickly it's subscribe to start of spotify <laughs> because it, it's absolutely beautiful and you know the more that you watch it you see that it's, it's it's david and patrick and you just get lost in watching them but then you start noticing other people around them and how they're caught up in this wave of, of emotion you know and especially moira who is just yeah. you know She's, she can barely control herself as she sees her little boy be not only serenaded, but just his whole uh, beauty as a person is celebrated by somebody who's not just her. Because if there's one thing, My Myra is a questionable mother at best, if you're being generous, but she really is, is um, David's number one supporter when it comes to his sexuality, because she, you know, Johnny will every now and then say something just ridiculous and, you know, um, a, a bit ignorant. Uh, in, in the very same episode with, with the with the wine scene, and um, Johnny is talking to Roland about my son is Pan, and you know, and and, and uh, Moira a couple of times it, it just will, will say, you know, she, she'll put her foot down and say, no, you know, it's not a face. Like, stop it. It's not a phase. This is who he is. You know, move on. 
So this is like one of the, the few ways in which <laughs> you can celebrate Meyer's parenting. But, um, and then, you know, the, the show progresses, their relationship progresses. The, uh, the proposal is just another heart melting scene because it, it's so beautiful. And, and I, I will leave that for somebody else to talk about because I, so that I don't, you know, just suck all the juice out of every beautiful scene and the wedding, of course. But for me, the, the she says that, it keeps going. I love you so much. <laughs> yes, but I'm not describing it. It's the point. Come um, on, Carla, let others talk about No, I'm kidding. <laughs> others will talk about it. It's fine. You'll be fine. I love I promise you. You. Um, you'll be fine. Uh, but for me, especially the point at which David is like so excited about moving to New York and he he's, you know, um, Alexis is like on board with all of them living together. And it's like, oh my God, yeah, this is all I've ever wanted. But Patrick hesitates. And David's like, okay, so we're not going because this is the person that I'm here for now. You know, like it's not just me. It's not just about Alexis. This is about Patrick as well. And, you know, so they bring out great things in each other. And I really appreciate that. And also, this is one of the the first shows that you can really point to where you have a healthy relationship and there's like it's so open and and honest and in your face that it really makes you wonder why so many shows bother with queer, queer baiting like yeah. you know go to hell this is doable and we, we, we love this. So, you know, just don't be ridiculous about it. Yeah, very good point there. Yeah. And Joyce? Uh, I knew right from the first scene when they met each other, I was like, oh, they're going to get together. I could tell by the way that Patrick engaged with David and how he, like, immediately was giving him shit. <laughs> and how... Like, David didn't, it just, like, didn't even enter his radar that he was being messed with. Um, and I just love that dynamic about their relationship and how, like, Patrick truly sees David and embraces all of his quirkiness and all of his anxiety and inability to compromise. And he just loves him all the more for it. And they're such a good match in personality and you can tell from different scenes that they choose to focus on what's good about each other because they've experienced the alternative, which is heartbreak and, you know, being taken for granted and all of those things, like both of them had already been through all of that turmoil and difficulty. And they knew that what they had was worth cherishing and so they build each other up and they accept each other for their flaws and they bring a sense of humor to it. Um, but you can tell like the foundation of it is true appreciation and gratitude in each other. And that's what I love about their relationship. Yeah, that's perfectly beautifully put. Yeah, exactly. And Meg. Um, yeah, I think David and Patrick complement each other so com wonderfully that it's it's one of my favorite relationships on TV kind of period. It's healthy and I take a little bit of umbrage with what that 
criticism was because I'm sorry that it doesn't match what you personally think is the correct timeline or the correct exploration that somebody should be doing before they find their person. If you find your person, what are you supposed to do? Be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. It's not right. Even though everything is right, because I haven't met these arbitrary goals that someone else has set for me. And that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Um, I think Patrick grounds David. I think David brings Patrick out of his shell a little bit. And Patrick has this very dry, snarky, sarcastic sense of humor that he really loves to kind of poke at David and rile him up. And it's hilarious and adorable and such a couple thing to do. (laughs) Um, And when he and Stevie get together, like with the plungers, in the apothecary is probably one of my favorite scenes of David. Just like this is not correct. My boyfriend wearing boots is not like it's just, and that's you know the first time he calls him as well. It's just adorable. It's wonderful. They support each other no matter what. I love the fact that they're not this angsty will they won't they kind of thing. I think I've mentioned before. I hate will they won't they's that go on forever and ever. We don't need that. The show shows that we don't need this, that to have an interesting couple or an interesting relationship. They were still incredibly interesting. It showed all of the hurdles that people still face, even if they're in a relationship, even if they're in a good, healthy relationship. Um, Their one breakup moment (laughs) when David finds out that Patrick had a fiance at one point um, was like just the right amount of angst. Like that scene where he's just like, and you're right. And, and it's just like, and then it's so beautifully undercut a little bit. So we all know as an audience know that this is not going to be permanent when David's like, can you get me some sliders and some pasta salads? And I saw some potato and like, and it's just, it was, it was so refreshing for any couple straight, uh, same sex that it didn't really matter. It's just so refreshing to see a couple on screen that their relationship is interesting enough without having to throw in a bunch of roadblocks. And I think they bring the best out of each other. Um, When David finds out that Patrick hadn't told his parents about them, he had every right to be extremely angry from him. And and I think if you think about David from season one, that might be your, the knee jerk reaction that you would have. But Carla touched on just how caring and loving and understanding and supportive David is. And that really, really shines through where he's just like, I can only be your business partner if that's what you need. And that much self-sacrifice for someone you love, I thought was just really beautifully done. And yes, also it's okay that Patrick looks like a thumb. David loves him anyway. And I was so happy to see now. Let me just keep going. I was actually really happy to that after David comes out as pan, they don't have him in like all these different relationships and partners and stuff like that, because I felt like that's really kind of what you'd be expecting Mm -hmm. for, for kind of the tropey stereotypical homophobic, basically. (laughs) Um, portrayal of a pansexual character like well they're pansexual so you know not caring about the label doesn't mean you don't have standards (laughs) and don't have 
things that you like and what you don't like about different people. So I love that they didn't have David going through like a revolving door of partners. And I love that they put him in a committed relationship and it was never like, well, don't you miss being with women? And like, it was never anything like that. It's just like, this is my person. And then that's it. The search is done. Yay me. <laughs> Cause that's how I felt. But anyway, I will shut up now. So Sarah has something that she can say. <laughs> I'm trying to leave something Sarah. to Sarah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I have anything to say <laughs> after all of yeah! that. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I mean, all 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 of it. It's just, I mean, David and Patrick relationship goals. I mean, it, it, right there. Um it, it just Considering, uh, this is all I'm going to say, considering this is Patrick's first, if I say this wrong, I apologize, gay relationship. Um, I mean, and, and he did speak of that, how he never felt right in a relationship with a woman. And it just never felt comfortable to him until he met David. And David who oh my god I absolutely love his character but he has flaws he's got a lot of flaws and despite that Patrick still loves him and I think that is just amazing and I know we, we've touched on this with the uh, uh the criticism of well it's his first relationship blah 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 and you know, that was addressed with David saying, no, you should go on this date. And Patrick's like, no, you know, he tried. No, 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 no. What, once you're with that person, you know, you are with that person. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, there's, oh my God, there's just nothing I can add to what has been said already that will add to this conversation because it, it it's just it's just such an amazing wonderful beautiful sweet relationship between the two of them and you know i i i hope everyone has okay this is gonna sound sappy i hope everyone has a relationship like that because they are just wonderful and i love them so much and I'm going to try not to cry now. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I mean, I love them together. I think it's one of my favorite relationships on television. And it's such a healthy relationship, which I mean, I'm an angst person. I love a lot of angst. I do. But it's nice to have a relationship where there isn't a lot of angst. And even when they have a brief sort of breakup it's not really even a breakup i don't really consider it a breakup it's so short that it's like yeah it's it's so sh it's so short that it just doesn't even matter it's not i mean it's not like it's like a blip it's not something where like usually what you'd see is they'd be apart for you know yeah. half a season well, and, and, and some big gesture which there is a gesture but it's not done in a lot, way where if he doesn't do that, then if he doesn't do that, then they're not going to get back together. It's not that kind of thing. It's more like, okay, I've got to fall on my sword a little bit here and embarrass myself a little bit and do something that's oh, made my the olive, 
yeah the olive when, branch yeah oh the olive God, branch I love when david so sings much. when david sings to patrick so yes. yeah which is i mean both of those both of the simply the best scenes are just absolutely beautiful it gives me a whole new appreciation for that song i have to say i, mean, I know not and like i never hear it now i'm like my heart just melts yeah it, and it's not like i never didn't like it before it's yeah, just exactly. it, i have a different appreciation for it now yeah so yeah yeah now so i i want to point i love angst i do i i love angst i mean there's a reason i ship dean and Cass and supernatural i love the angst um but i feel like especially when you look at same sex or queer relationships angst that's all you, that's all you get like it has to be angsty to be quote unquote real. And I think that was why I loved this one so much. Yeah. And that's why it's nice that we're covering this when we've covered so many angsty relationships this month, really. I mean, our George Michael one, we didn't really have angsty relationships <laughs> discussed in that one. Um, and even when we, even when we talked about queer as folk, we didn't really, I mean, there's angst in that, but that's a little bit different. Um, so it's nice to discuss a show where it's not like that, where it's not, there's no angst there. And even with what I want to talk about next, which is Patrick coming out to his parents, which I think this was handled differently than I have. I've never seen a coming out to your parents scene handled the way that this show does it. Because of course, accidentally, Johnny is the one that really spills the beans to Patrick's parents and says, you know, David and Patrick are in a relationship, which they didn't know that. And they didn't know that their son was gay. And so that was their first time hearing it. And then, of course, the whole episode leading up to when Patrick finally comes out to his parents, of course. So, Carla, have you? what do you think about the way the show handled that? I could not love it more because it has all of these unexpected twists in that episode. You have the the first one with Johnny just completely dropping the ball. And because this is what Johnny does. You know, he puts his foot in his mouth and then he turns back to like, oh, uh, no, no. Uh, uh, see, that's not what I meant at all. What I meant was, and, and then he, he makes it even worse, which is just typical Johnny. And oh my God, I love him so much. The, the twist there is that Patrick's parents look shocked and they react the way that, that you kind of expect from TV and from a lot of real life for parents to react when, when they um, are told out of the blue that their child is not the straight person they thought. Um, they, they look aghast. They're like, what? And they need, you know, they, they're like, we need some time. And so you're assuming that it's because they had to wrestle with this notion that their son, oh no, what have we done wrong? And at the same time, now you have the, you know, trying to uh, set it up for Patrick to be prepared for this because it's, it's a surprise birthday and David's so excited about throwing him a surprise party and, you know, uh, everything is going perfectly until this happens. And now he has to reveal the surprise. And then the second surprise of, yeah, so your parents um, now know that, that, that you're gay, but he doesn't, you know, um, David doesn't tell him that at that point, he just, he just says, you know, like whatever you need, like Meg was pointing to earlier, um, 
he he was very giving because you fully expect for David to fly off the handle and be like, I can't believe you haven't told your parents about us. I can't believe that that you've hidden me and you know and 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 kept me in the shadows and all of this. Um, in part because of David's personality, but also in part because if if you don't really have the experience that David has, then you just assume that that you're um, that your partner hiding you is about you. And David very correctly says, this is about your relationship with your parents. This is about your coming out. And you need to handle it, handle it the way that you feel most comfortable. So you, you know, you lead the way you tell me how you want to do it. And that's a hundred percent what I'll do. You know, like, I, I don't have to be revealed to anybody if you're not ready for that yet. Um, so like that's that's the, the, the twist. And then you come back to Patrick's parents and it turns out that the reason that they're so aghast isn't because their son is gay. It's because you mean to tell me that he's been scared to tell us? Like what have we done wrong that our son thinks that we wouldn't love him 100%? And you know that that's that that's what I loved about this episode is is that the driving force behind it is love. Mm -hmm. Everything that these people are doing is guided by love. Everything is about um, wanting to to be there for the person that you love so much, and and wanting to have um, the relationship and 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 to have like the best experience for them. Um, you know, Johnny is just so excited about meeting his future, you know, like, because at this point, you know, whatever, but he's, he's excited to, to meet Patrick's parents because he loves David and he loves Patrick and he loves them together. Um, David is doing this big party because he loves Patrick because he, because David is not really one for surprise parties at, especially at, at the Cafe Tropical, like, ew, <laughs> but he's, all he wants is for Patrick to be happy and for him to have things go in the way that will make him the happiest and most fulfilled. And Patrick's parents, all they want is for their son to be happy. You know, to them, that's the the, the main thing. You know, if, if um, I'm sure that they were perfectly happy when Patrick proposed to Rachel, but that didn't work out. And now Patrick is happy with the guy. And who cares? That that's not the important thing to them. The important thing is, this guy is making our son happy. So that that for me is why this coming out works so so beautifully. Is because the angst wasn't about um, like the story leads you to believe that it's going to be about people's feelings getting hurt and people's uh, uh, and people rejecting these characters that you've come to love, but the real drive behind all of it is love. And that is, they pulled it off so perfectly. You know, you can't say that about, I can't, I can't even think of any other shows where they've had a coming out story like this, where it's just so on the whole positive and beautiful and where, um, where people have taken this episode to show it to their family members um, the same way that they that they that they've used the 
it's not the wine, it's the label phrase as part of the coming out process. So that, you know, so that people in their real lives can see, look, this is what it can be like for me and for you as I'm telling you these truths about myself. And Joyce. I love what you said, Carla, about how everything is driven by love in this episode. That's so true. And I like that the way the story is told is completely the opposite of how it's typically told, where, Mm -hmm. you know, the partner is encouraging the one coming out to do it at their own pace and in the way that they're comfortable with, as opposed to being outraged that they aren't coming out in a particular way Mm -hmm. or sooner. Um, And so that's completely the opposite. The way that the parents handle it is completely the opposite. And I just love how it's a non-issue. It's not even an issue for anybody except Patrick because he's afraid that his parents will reject him, which also ends up being a non-issue. And I just think that's so beautiful because it invites other people to think about the idea that maybe (laughs) it's not that important. Like it doesn't define you forever. And it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be this angst field turmoil process. It can just be, this is who I am. Okay, great. Let's move on. Like that's not anything that necessarily has to be so important to the story or the people or the relationships that it defines the whole entire reality of everything. It can just be part of the story Um, and it can evolve and it can be fluid and it can be accepted without it being the primary focus. Um, So I think that's really beautiful that it was deliberately portrayed in the opposite way that it's typically portrayed and I just love everything about it I I love how surprising it is and how kind everyone is to each other and how everyone is really truly trying to do the best that they can to honor the other people um so it's wonderful and Meg? Um, yeah, I I thought it was fantastic as well. And to kind of add on what Joyce and Carla said, I love that there was no mourning for their straight Patrick. Like they weren't like, oh my gosh, what about grandbabies? What about the visions that I had for your life as you were growing up? Um, and if they had that, they did not let their son know that that was something that had, and we didn't get to know. And I thought I thought that was fantastic. Um, Love Simon actually does a fairly good um, parental reaction to yeah. coming out and stuff too. That's another one that I thought um, did it really well and in a different way for you know like a teenager. Um, and I think us knowing that Patrick's parents are upset not because of Patrick's orientation, but because he was scared to tell them was something that a hit me like as a parent 
hit me all in, uh, hit all the buttons on me because I can't think of anything worse, a worse feeling as a parent really than your kid being afraid to talk to you. And so I, I thought that was so beautiful. And I love that we got to know that. So when we're seeing Patrick go through his fear and his anxiety about whether or not to tell them, we know he's going to be okay. Like we know it's going to be okay. And it also makes his fear something more relatable to everybody. It's a more of a universal kind of fear of once I say this, how is everything going to change? And I think that's something that a lot, like it's something that I absolutely felt growing up or, you know, when I found out I was pregnant earlier than planned, um, just that fear of, of not wanting to disappoint your parents, not wanting to damage the image that they might have of you, whether it's a realistic fear or not. It's something that I think we all have. And I think that's something that's this show does so well. And I think it's great that Patrick's coming out is done in such a way that Carla, as Carla said, people take this and, and show it to, to, more conservative or less tolerant relatives. And it actually helps them move past that and become more accepting and, and grow as people. And I think a lot of that is because it's relatable. It is relatable in so many ways for everyone. It's an extremely important scene for the, for the community, but it's also a really important uh, scene for allies and for family members to see, because if you can't love your kid, no matter what, then you shouldn't have a kid. And I think us knowing that Patrick's parents are, are not like they're okay. They're not upset. They're not disappointed. They don't wish he were different enables us to really sit with what he's going through. And I just, I thought that was just so beautifully done. And yeah. And I think Carl's absolutely right. The driving force of love. It's, it was just like, very well said my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah, I, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. Um, while I absolutely adored the way Patrick came out to his parents and how loving and accepting they were and how they were more upset that they felt he couldn't tell them. Um, I also think it gives people in, in the community a little bit of false hope. Um, and the reason I say this is I have a, a friend from middle school and he had reached out to me, oh, I don't know, about eight years ago. And I, I know I've talked about this before, uh, about my own struggles with mental illness and, and suicide ideation. And he said, if it wasn't for you, I would not be alive today. And he grew up in a fundamentalist Christian household and denied his sexuality for many 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 years um which is interesting to me because i had the hugest crush on him in seventh grade <laughs> um and he had been married for 
probably close to 20 years when he finally accepted who he was and came out to his parents and they basically didn't talk to him for two years. And it was very sad. Um, and I, I, I actually did not know this until, you know, he told me and he said with the way I had talked about my own struggles is, is what kept him alive. And it, it took several years, but his family finally came around and accepted him for who he is. And he's now in a very committed relationship and they're getting married next month, I believe. <laughs> um, you know, so as much as I absolutely loved that scene and how Patrick came out to his parents, um, I also see the dark side of it and how and 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 understand how Patrick felt and and that fear of opening up to his parents and that unknown of how how are they going to react? You know, what are they going to think of me? Um, which I think is is a fear of anyone in that community. Um, you know, are, are, are my parents still going to accept me? Are they going to understand? And, you know, and I, I think it, it does address that in, in a great way, but at the same time, you know, at, at watching it, I'm like, oh God, you know, how, how is this going to turn out? How are they going to feel? And I felt that feel for or that fear for Patrick. I really did. Cause you know, knowing or having friends that have been so fearful of coming out to their parents, I, I empathize with that. Um, and I think I really did empathize with Patrick and was so relieved to see how his parents reacted to it. But at the same time, knowing that there were other parents that don't have that same reaction. And it was it was a little in a way it was a little heartbreaking for me if that makes sense it does but i think that's why it's so beautiful because every other piece of media we see will have the reaction of what you're saying sarah exactly. every other piece yeah. of media yeah. will have the reaction of parents being like in some extreme form or another i'm not saying every single one is one no, where they're no, like no, we're no. not going to talk to you again but um but what but it, what it is is it's like you'll have Every single time it'll be like a heartbreak or going through a loss or they'll even more yeah, no, 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 no. their kid. And so I think that's why this scene is so important, because if you if you always have trauma and you constantly have trauma and you're constantly mm -hmm. being like, if you yeah. are going to come out of the closet, it's going to be traumatic. If you are going to be gay, your life is just going to be filled with trauma. If you're going no, to be, you're gonna be this. And so I think that's why it's so special that it's not that way, because there's enough of that out there. Yeah. And not even to the extreme of we're never going to speak to you, even just that fraction of a second of disappointment yeah. mm -hmm. on your parents' face. You like kids see that and they clock that and how a parent handles their child coming out to them is extremely important because you can absolutely. never do it twice. Yeah. You can't do it twice. And I, and I really, and I absolutely feel so much for the people who didn't have that kind of space to come out for. But Aaron's absolutely right. We have to see that. Everybody has to see that because people yes. who are going to react in the shitty way 
have to know that they're not the only, they're not correct. There's another way to do yes. it. And kids, oh, no, who I have, completely agree. And, yeah, and kids absolutely. who have parents that react this way also need to see that that's not the only way it has to be. Right. It's not the only way. However, they hope is so important and there's not nearly enough of it for young queer kids. I think growing up watching, watching these journeys and it's just more and more recently started to be something where it's like coming out's not, shouldn't be this whole dramatic painful process no it can, no, be, it, it, it can be something and it's always going to be anxiety inducing just oh, like absolutely. i feel yeah. like having any any big change or anything that you're a fundamental part of yourself that you've been holding inside yep. and letting that out is always going to be scary yeah um but i i just i can't help but but bulk a little bit at viewing that scene as anything other than absolutely beautiful and 100% needed. Absolutely. No, I completely agree because it was, it was absolutely beautiful to me. And even afterwards, Patrick's like, my parents aren't great actors. They knew, didn't they? (laughs) Well, let me explain. Um, No. And I, I thought the scene was absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Um, And, in my opinion, is the way it should be. Um, you know, I know from, you know, just personally, I have, I have a 16-year-old and 18-year-old, and if they ever came to me and said, you know, I, I'm I'm gay, I'm non-binary, you know, whatever. Um, you know, okay, fine. What can I do? You know, it, 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 that doesn't matter to me at all and that's not what I'm saying it's just as much as I love that scene it's it's still I think for me it was still heartbreaking to know that for all these parents that accept when when their children come out as whatever probably not being politically correct here. I'm really sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when their children come out to them as loving and as accepting as they are, it's just, it's heartbreaking to me that there are parents out there that will disown them. And it, it, it upsets me. It's just, that's your child. You grew them, you raised them, you love them. And so they don't identify with what your, I, your ideal is. You're going to reject them because of that. And, and it, for me, that just breaks my heart because I can't, as a parent, I cannot see doing that to my children if they don't identify or live up to my expectations. And Having a special needs child, my oldest, as I mentioned, is autistic. You know, he is my first. I gave birth to him and had all these hopes and dreams. And and then to find out that he has special needs, it was heart, it, it, it was a little heartbreaking. And I will admit that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, what can I do to make his life better? And he just graduated with honors. <laughs> so, and is going off to college. Um, off topic, but I, I just, I don't, 
understand how you can look at your child's gender identity or sexuality and say, you know what? I don't agree with it. I'm never speaking to you again. And and I I I generally think I'm going to speak generally. I'm going to speak generally. I feel like those parents are parents who view the children as an extension of themselves and Uh, not as their own separate person. And they're like, well, how does your sexuality, your orientation, your gender status, how is that reflecting on me? Because you are a reflection of me. You are a product of me and everything you do is reflecting on me. And I feel like that's kind of the, like, if you can't separate your child from yourself as two different human beings with two different experiences, then I, I like, I don't know what to tell you, get therapy. Yeah. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're, they're their own person that has nothing to do. Yes. You created them, but that has nothing. They are their own person that has nothing to do with you and is not a reflection of you at all. That's yeah. just my opinion. And it's another reason why this scene is so important. And and um, exactly leads into, yes, leads into a little bit leads into the next thing, which is something that this show did so well uh, was the fact that Dan Levy, when he helped create this show, he was very insistent that there was not going to be homophobia in this show. That that was not going to be something because he's like we see that all the time. We deserve to see something where it's where that's not what we're seeing. Where we're not seeing trauma and not seeing pain constantly. And so that was a very deliberate choice. You never once in this show see that ever. And so I want to talk about that and how absolutely important that is that this show is not filled with that trauma, Carla. I think that's something that was, I, I love that it was a deliberate choice on Daniel's part and that he stuck with it so well throughout the entire run of the show. It's very important because there isn't enough um, out there for for queer kids to just look at and say, or even adults, you know, to look at and say, wow, so we're just incorporated into the show with, you know, no questions, with no trauma, with no angst about who we are. Like, we can just be? Like, wow, that's that's a magical thing. And it's it's the way that it really should be. And that unfortunately, oftentimes it's not. But that's why I think it's so important to have that. Um, and because part of normalizing something is seeing it reflected in art. And a lot of the times, you know, for better or for worse, people take their cues from what they've seen others do when it comes to the way you parent or the way that you approach a certain situation, you think, oh, what can I recall from something that, that I've witnessed that has worked for somebody else? And a lot of the times it's, you know, like, how did this hero of mine on TV handle this, this situation? And if the characters on, on this show can become part of that, um, that reference in your mind, then all the better. Because you have David being, you know, treated the way that he's treated simply because of who he actually is, right? His personality, his his personal choices in, in the way that he treats people and the way that he moves about the world, not because of 
something like who he's attracted to. Um, the, the the way you know the, if whether people like him or not has more to do with with uh, the way that he talks to them and interacts with them and whether or not he's you know being kind of salty that day and nothing to do with whether he's been sleeping with Stevie or Patrick. None of that matters to anybody else, and that's perfect. That is the way that things should be. Patrick um, and his uh, his coming out to his parents is the way that things should be. And that's not just about parents. It's about your community. When you're coming out and when you're, uh, when you're feeling this fear and this anxiety about it, wouldn't it be, I'm phrasing this as a hypothetical, but it would be nice to have in your mind that, you know what, it may not be the way that it goes for me, but I know that somewhere out there, there is a better story and that that is something that exists in the world because to only have references that point to, um, to you being hated and being dismissed and being cast off, that seeps into your brain. And then where do you go from there? You know, like you can't expect for, uh, you, you can't really expect acceptance from anybody else if all of your references in your mind point to something bleak and negative. Um, if your parents don't welcome you into their arms the way that Patrick's did, well, you might find a community of people that can be your new family. But if you don't have that in your mind that you can find people who will embrace you that way, that gives you more hope. And that gives you something to hold on to other than 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 the, the fear and the worry and the anxiety. Um, it gives you a... Uh, a reference for 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 aspiration of like okay these people may not treat me the way that I deserve to be treated but I know I know because I've seen it that people out there can be like that and um, and you know in, in this show yeah it, it's Patrick's parents but you know if Patrick had decided if they had never dealt with Patrick coming out to his parents in the show, or it had been implied that Patrick's parents weren't welcoming, then yes, that is the reality for many people. But I feel like that's reflected enough on TV and in film that we don't have to have it on this show too. We need a safe space on um, on our screens to have that, that, uh, that, that ability to just breathe. Because if, if all you see, if all you're coming in contact with is a door shutting your face, even on TV, and then that's all you think that there is and that's all you can hope for and you, that's what makes the, the world bleak. Having one show give you a space where you can feel safe, that, that's, not, uh, that's not spitting on somebody else's reality that's giving hope to somebody who may not have it. And I think that, that uh, it, it's kind of like with, with black stories where so many um, portrayals of, of black people are about struggle and about slavery and about oppression and everything. And yes, all of those things exist, 
but why not also highlight black joy, black love, black hope? So in, in some ways, not in some ways, but in many ways, there's a lot of overlap here. If all you see, if you're existing outside of the experience of a particular group of people and all you see of their experience is misery, then as a, as a non-member of that community, what are you then seeing of their reality? All you see is a reflection of, uh, of somebody trying to uh, capitalize really on, on somebody's um, hurt. And that's not kind and it's not real and it's not fair. And absolutely, queer, queer people need and deserve a space to just enjoy and to have the their struggle with the show be about how much they might hate the Alexis hands, which if, if you hate Alexis hands, like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Like, that, they're adorable. Um, like, honestly, <laughs> like, honestly, viewer, like, that's your hang up. Um, <laughs> We're all doing them. We're all doing them. <laughs> like to do them. Yeah. yeah, like some of us. I imagine Joyce is doing bed. it too. I imagine <laughs> Joyce. I you. I'm you are good. Good. Perfect. <laughs> but yeah, like let people have something to hang their joy hat on. Let it be that. And that that is why I I truly admire and love and respect Daniel Levy for giving this show and this space as a gift to just say, just live in it, just enjoy it, just laugh. And don't worry about feeling um, unsafe here because that will not happen to you. We wouldn't let that happen to you here. Yeah, beautifully said all of that. And Joyce? I think the important question with this topic is how to acknowledge what people have experienced and what is a legitimate part of their past while honoring what people are and their potential. And so it's very difficult to do both um, because, you know, if you're exclusively talking about what has happened and the trauma of that, then it's going to inform the conversation. And if you're exclusively talking about, you know, the potential and how things should be, um, then maybe it feels like a denial of that trauma and what people truly have gone through and are still going through. And so how do you balance those things out and give a message of hope and give a message of acknowledgement um, while also not denying that past. And I, that's why I love this show is because I think that it's not exclusively either one, but it portrays, it portrays the difficulty that Patrick has. It portrays all of that stuff that is implied that we've seen so much uh, without going into it. We all understand it. We acknowledge it. We felt the emotions of like, oh no, not this again. 
but then it didn't go down that road. And then it showed us the potential and the beauty of having it be normal and having it be a non-issue. Like when I came out, which I say in air quotes, because it was a complete non-issue for me. I don't think I even told my parents anything. I just was like, hey, this is my girlfriend. <laughs> like I didn't even have a conversation about it with them. I, I remember I went to lunch with my dad and the first girl I ever was like with, and I failed to mention that she was my girlfriend. And after lunch, they both were like, hey, you didn't tell me that you didn't tell your dad that like we were dating. And I was like, oh, because that didn't even why would that even be an issue? Like it, it just didn't even occur to me that that would be a thing. And, and it wasn't really like, I was very blessed with my parents and I've definitely heard the other side of the story. Um, like my wife, she came out to her parents three times and they just couldn't deal with it and they didn't even hear her. Um, and it, it was a real struggle. And now that we're together, like I love her parents, like we get along great. Her dad's no longer here, but he, when he was, uh, her parents have been amazing to me. And that was a long journey of growth. Um, so I've definitely seen both sides of the story and experienced all of those things. And I think it's super powerful that David epitomizes, his character epitomizes somebody who is empowered and self-assured enough, even though, you know, he has all this stuff that he's insecure about and angsty about, he does not explain his sexuality and he doesn't feel compelled to explain mm -hmm. it. And he doesn't, if you are confident about something, you don't feel the need to justify it. And it kind of drives me crazy that the dialogue is always, um, is always, uh, I can't think of the word, but it's like in relation to um, justifying what your sexuality is. So like what I mean by that is when I talk to especially people in a generation older than mine, a lot of times when they talk about their sexuality, if it's not straight, they talk about it in a way of justifying it, of like, you know, I didn't choose this. This is very, you know, why would I choose this? And things like that. And I'm like, why are you explaining to me why you are the way you are? Like, you don't need to do that. You are who you are and it should be accepted. And, and the first person that needs to accept it is you. And in order to do that, you need to stop explaining about it and just embody it and be that. So I, I don't know. I get kind of annoyed <laughs> that the dialogue is always about, you know, how we shouldn't talk about how traumatic it is or how we should, it should be normalized or, you know, how it's always portrayed a particular way. But if it is truly normalized, this is a non-issue. It's not even a topic anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not even, 
it's just part of the show. It's part of the, it's like if somebody dyed their hair a different color, it's just part of who they are and their personality. And so that is the way I think it will be understood and experienced in younger generations. Like I see it with my child. Sexuality is fluid. It's changing. It's, you know, constantly being defined and redefined, just like, you know, your personality when you were 20 is nothing like it will be when you're 60, because we're constantly growing and evolving. And as soon as we accept that and embrace that, this isn't even going to be a topic of conversation anymore other than, hey, this is who I am today. So um, I, I just love that this show it has started to embody that much like Sense8 and, you know, so many other things that are coming out now and it is being embraced and it's beautiful how they portray it. Very, very well said. Thank you. And Meg? Yeah, I, I don't know if I have much to add after <laughs> that was just so well said. Um, I loved that Daniel Levy was just like, we're not, we're not giving homophobia any air. It cannot breathe without the air and 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 i feel like when carla was talking about like normalizing we all have internal biases there's internalized homophobia uh, for everybody and i think joy's kind of talking about uh, especially older generation people justifying themselves constantly like i'm sorry i do not walk around being like i'm straight i, I didn't know. choose yeah. it you guys like you know, it's just, it was what I, it's how I was born. I'm so, so like, I like boys. I mean, I understand liking men is trash for me because men, I mean, honestly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why would I choose that? No, <laughs> um, but I think, I think Shits Creek does such a great job of, of, of like just stuff, just normalizing everyone just people. We're just people. At the end of the day, that's all it is. And who you sleep with and what's between your legs and who you're attracted to, or if you're attracted to anybody or nobody, it's a non-issue. And it is something I'm seeing a lot with my children's generation. I have an eight and a 12 year old. And it's just to them, it's just a non-issue. Like, okay, whatever. The biggest issue it is, is like, okay, so if I'm going to start pressuring you to marry someone, where am I going? <laughs> <laughs> as a parent be like well you know where where am I going to to make you get married no I'm just kidding but I just and it is something that I'm seeing more of and I and I feel like the reason we expect it to always be trauma and being part of the community is always associated with loss and pain like for years we've been fed like you can't have both you can't be your genuine true self mm -hmm. and also have a loving family or, or accepting friends. Always, you got to lose something if you want to grab who you truly are. And I think that's so heartbreaking. It's, it, I mean, I'm like, it's unfair. <laughs> like, golly gosh, gee willikers. Um, but I think that's something that's come, that's kind of fading out, thankfully, where it's like, you can breathe. You can be who you are. And if other people don't accept it, then that's a, that's their problem, but they're the ones on the outside now. 
or like pushing towards that. Like they're the ones on the outside. You can be accepted. You can have you can have everything. You can have that normal, boring life that your parents apparently were dreaming for you. You know, you can marry that accountant. Hey, Move to the suburb an accountant. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> See, there you go. Marry an accountant, move to the suburbs, have 2.4 kids in a Labrador. That too can be yours. <laughs> okay, that's kind of what I have. Sarah's like, I feel really, really called out right now. It's all good. <laughs> it's my life you're talking about here. I'm not trying to interview an accountant. Uh, I'm completely kidding. No, I seriously am married to an accountant. That's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm in the office right now, and there's like four computers here with like spreadsheets. It's kind of terrifying. But yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess to wrap it up, I just, I just love that it's, it is a non-issue in the show. Homophobia is just not allowed, and it's not anything where I'm like, well, this seems super unrealistic because no, no one's a bigot. Um, I don't miss it. Sorry, I don't miss the homophobia. I don't I like there's implied that David experienced stuff like that in his past, but it's not something that's allowed here. And the fact that this is a small redneck podunk town mm-hmm. and it's not a thing is honestly, I think more poignant and more important than if they were in say New York city and stuff like that. Um, because queer people exist everywhere. They don't only exist in New York city and LA. So that's that. I'm going to drink my Sprite and form my apology to accountants. <laughs> my husband will really be his spreadsheet. Do it in a spreadsheet. Is that what you said? Yes. <laughs> Put it in a spreadsheet. Make sure that there are formulas. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Include a pie graph. Include a pie graph. Seriously, he's not your typical accountant. It's yeah. <laughs> he's he not, like he's a cool ben accountant. Ryan? I'm not uh, your sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> I'm not your typical accountant. I'm a cool accountant. Yeah, because Ben Wyatt was uh I love Ben Wyatt. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that should be a new like uh I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of like a, a dance video or a new like a song. Like I'm a cool accountant. accountant. Yeah. I'm, a cool I'm thinking accountant. that it should be a new superhero. Yes. When he shows up. Played by Amy Poehler. Like- nope. Played by Amy Poehler. Yes. Because she's a cool accountant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Super accountant will show up on tax night. <laughs> this is a superhero I can get behind. You I forgot a deduction. <laughs> no, you cannot write that up. This is your audit warning. If you do this over here, I know you make $23,000 a year, but you're the ones that are going to come after. <laughs> you can't count your mice's dependents. I don't care. Your mice. <laughs> <laughs> the accountant 
thunder on this episode. No, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get we're so much pushback from a cat. I know, yeah, that's true. That's um, true. no, she's like, rounding us, making them superheroes. <laughs> accountant, accountant, Twitter is gonna come for me. <laughs> I better not show my Twitter handle. <laughs> Twitter. No, we should make them superheroes. They should be thanking us. Okay, yeah, exactly. like. Exactly. Don't get audited every year for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> the IRS is amazing. IRS, I love you so much. All Internal Revenue Service accountants, Mom, you're the best. I love you. Why don't we have an IRS people day? Yeah, we have we so many that. holidays celebrating all these heroes who work for the government. Um, where's our IRS person day? I don't understand. <laughs> IRS accountants are the best. They're the true heroes. They, they really are. are. They Pretty are. soon they I'm going to hear from H&R Block and they're going to offer to be a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time I've been going after Shutter. is like Super accountant. Yeah. Is that? Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> so, Sarah, what are your thoughts about the fact that their homophobia is not an aspect of this show? Um, it's a very deliberate. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still laughing about accountants. <laughs> um, I think it's fantastic that it's a non-issue. Um, that's. I mean, it, it, it's not even addressed at all. I mean, it's not even brought up. I can remember watching the first season and find, you know, well, uh, you know uh, uh, David explaining in, in the wine scene about how he's pan and then Johnny talking about it as well. I'm like, there's going to be some backlash at some point here. And there wasn't. And it was fantastic how open and accepting and loving that everyone was and that is what i hope for in the future but at the same time the cynical part of me is like eh, is that really gonna happen but i really hope that that's what it is and that's what the future is and that you know someone coming out or you know introducing themselves and they're you know, husband or, or wife or partner or whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah, nice to meet you. And that's the end of it. I really hope that that is what we have for the future. I really don't think I can elaborate on what anyone else has said because it's the exact same thing that I would say. Yeah. And, and we have enough trauma porn is what I like to call it. And that's what we see a lot of. And we have enough yep. of that already. So we don't need any more of that. And I'm not saying that stories like that don't have a place necessarily, but it's just when that's all you're given, it's like, uh, come on, pe let people breathe, let people believe that they have the right to exist and have happiness like everybody else. And when you just continually shove trauma at people, it makes people believe, okay, this is all my life is worth. I'm just supposed to have trauma. My life is just worth trauma. And that's all it's about. 
you know, and we, we've talked about this a few times this, this year about how important it is. This is another way where it's important to have representation where, and the way you have representation is important. Like we talked about in our orange is the new black episode, when we talked about the way they handled the black lives matter issue in that series and how they thought they were doing a good thing by showing it. But it's the way you show it that matters because the way they showed it wasn't helpful. The way they showed it was hurtful. And so if you're doing that, it doesn't matter how great your representation is in front of the screen. Of course, as we discussed in that, they had like not a single black writer in their writer's room. So it makes sense that they wouldn't be handling it the way they should. So that's why representation also matters behind the scenes so that people who who live that life can tell you the truth of that life. And plus, everybody deserves to see themselves as a fully fleshed out human being with happiness involved in that. That doesn't mean you have your whole life is trauma. Yes, everybody goes through hardship and the world's not perfect and blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't mean you don't get to be happy. And, you know, we even talked about when we talked about representation of mental illness and everything like that. It's like, you know, if you don't get to see that, then you're already going to you're already feeling it from the world as well. And so if you're getting it again with entertainment, it's like reinforcing that. And then people that are, that are, you know, like straight people will see something that's all homophobic. And if they're not, if they're already like, you know, not nice people, they might be like, okay, well then this is all about trauma. This isn't a healthy, good lifestyle. So I shouldn't support my son when he comes out to me. I shouldn't, you know, so it's, it's all media is important and what we see is important. And so it's important to be, to have everything represented and everything represented in a fully fleshed out way and not just stereotypes and not just trauma, enough right. trauma porn. Well, yeah. and I think, I think it's not even just like bad people seeing homophobia. That's like, well, homophobia yeah. is okay. That's, that's, yeah. that's like the scary part is good people. Yeah, seeing homophobia and pain and hatred and trauma all over the place and internalizing that and that fear for their children or their friends and letting that fear kind of take hold and not even necessarily making them homophobic, but giving that split second when their kid comes out to them mm-hmm. or their friend comes out to them that tells that that person, OK, they're not safe. And if it's not wholehearted acceptance and love, then I think it's so easy, especially when queer people and children in the LGBTQI, LGBTQIA plus community, um, when all they see in their entertainment world is pain and trauma and hatred, they think that that moment, even that moment is enough to, ins- to put that doubt, to put that self-hatred on into themselves because if my parents can't love me or if my parents are disappointed in who I am as a person, then what does that say about me as a person? And I can't change this part about myself, but like, I don't know about any of you guys, but I was, I was, I'm very close with both my parents and like disappointing my parents was like the worst thing I always felt like. So, and that's like with shit I did. If it's something that who I am fundamentally as a person is a disappointment or not what they wanted, or if they're scared for me, um, it's so easy to internalize that and to make that trauma part of your story, even if you don't necessarily have that trauma. 
So yeah, sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to. No, jump no, in, that's I... really good. No, that's really good points <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah. So just once again, another reason why this show is so good and so important, and just a really, really, really good show. Okay, so let's talk about David and Patrick's wedding. I just wanted to talk about this because this, of course, is in um, the series finale, and I just want to know how much did you love their wedding, <laughs> Carla? I love it so much. I, I love that you know that Moira is the officiant, and that um, she she wears a spectacular getup. You know, and, and Moira she has a bazillion spectacular getups, and this was just the one that blew them all out of the world. Just, I think for me, it's it's this and the the dress that she got for the Crows premiere that are my two favorite of her dresses. It's wow, but. Uh, but okay, so let's get back to the actual people getting married, David and Patrick. Um, you have like everything go wrong that can possibly go wrong right before their wedding. And, you know, like all of this stuff going on at the same time. And it's so stressful. Um, and okay, so so they end up moving it to the, to the place where everything happens in Schmitz Creek, which is the town hall. And the, the way that the town comes together for them... It's just a wonderful tribute to how much they've become embraced here. And this is in spite of the fact that Ronnie hates Patrick so much. (laughs) And honestly, deservedly so, because the way Patrick interacts with Ronnie, I'm like, bro, I thought you were perfect until this. The tile thing. (laughs) The tile thing. Oh, my God. (laughs) And... Like like Meg referenced earlier, you know, after Ronnie said the man looks like a thumb, I could never see Patrick the same way again. No, no, I was like, oh man, he does look like a thumb. <laughs> like he looks like like a very adorable, you know, like very dressed up thumb at his wedding. Oh, cutest, cutest phalange ever. But. But just the love in their eyes and Patrick singing to David at, uh, for their vows. Um, Alexis walking David down the aisle, which was one of my favorite parts of all of it. Because, you know, David doesn't need to be walked. He doesn't need to be given away. You know, he, he doesn't, um, for all of his whatever's that, that David has and is, He's his own person. He belongs to nobody but himself. And so he didn't need his parents to to do that. Um, but his sister, who has really been up until now, like his biggest, most stable relationship is the one walking him down the aisle. And Alexis is accompanying her brother who has been there for her in so many ways that she didn't even realize until he revealed them to her out of frustration. And then just to, to see them, you know, uh, sharing that, you know, that, that brother sister moment before they start walking and, and, and it's just a very typical interaction for them. And it's still very sweet and loving and, oh my gosh, the whole thing, ah, I love the whole thing so much. But it was, it was really, one one of the most lovely, beautiful weddings on TV, and I just oh, I, 
I love it. And he's saying, where I carried to him again. It's pretty. And they're pretty. And their outfits are pretty. And okay, cool, cool, cool. Carlos will go cry. <laughs> Joyce. <laughs> you guys are cracking me up. Yeah, I was surprised at how, like, um, like lighthearted their vows were. I don't know. That kind of surprised me because there were so many other moments in the show that were like really serious. Like when Alexis comes and talks to Moira, even though she boops her on the nose at the end of that conversation. It's so funny. <laughs> um, and like tells her that she loves her and, and the dynamic between Alexis and David. There's like all these really you know, heartfelt moments. And then their vows are like, I don't know, they seem a little like cheeky or something, which I guess is kind of their personalities. Um, and I super love that Patrick sang Mariah Carey. I was like, who mm -hmm. is this? What song is this? And I was like, oh my God, it's Mariah Carey. How <laughs> perfect. Um, yeah, so I love moira i thought she was like the star of the wedding actually because she was so 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 funny and her outfit was hilarious um yeah and so i thought it was a little i don't know a little surprising their wedding um but it was good and i like at the end of the episode when everybody's crying you can tell that they are like legit crying yeah. like so none of them are acting <laughs> they're all mm -hmm. just like they can tell how beautiful the show was and what a beautiful thing they created and you can tell they're genuinely sad that it's over um so i i kind of found that more impactful than the wedding but yeah it was mm -hmm. great and meg that wedding was so extra like it was <laughs> So it was so sweet and so beautiful. And of course, Alexis is wearing a white dress. Like, of course, it wouldn't, it didn't. <laughs> Did it come with a veil? Don't get me wrong. That dress is headdress gorgeous. Oh, I know. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. However, I, I, like it's it's completely on brand for her to wear a wedding dress. But also, dress. don't worry, it's a sister. It's a sister. Yes, and it looks like they are getting married. Um, but don't worry, no one notices what Alexis is wearing because of Moira's outfit. Like, I did not realize the Pope was going to be marrying David and Patrick. I didn't even know they were Catholic. Like, honestly, so it's very nice to have that blessing. Um. On a sweeter, more serious note, I love that Simply the Best was what David was walking down the aisle to and, and such a beautiful instrumental accompaniment of it. And yeah, it was just, it was sweet. And I and I loved how simple it was. I loved how like simple I say as I talk about Alexis wearing a dress and Moira dressed up as the Pope. Um, <laughs> but it was just, it felt really true to both of their personalities and who they are as a couple. Like there is all of this extra nonsense that we see. Um, but at the heart of it is just a deep, true abiding, constant love. And that's thrown throughout the whole thing. 
And yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton more to say about it because Carla and Joyce do such a good job. So I'm just going to drink my Sprite. And keep talking about keep talking about and writing a letter to my favorite IRS agent. <laughs> I got nothing. I mean, <laughs> I mean anything. I mean, yeah. Moira dressed as the Pope was just perfect. Being raised Catholic was <laughs> just perfect. And I, oh my God, I, I just watched the episode and ugly cried, like the end of it and their vows and how David at the end of his is, you're my happy ending. And with what happened in the episode, for those that haven't seen it, and if you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. And why are you listening to this podcast? If you haven't listened to it, seen it, why are you listening to this? Like, why are you listening to this? Oh my God. It just cracked me up. Their accountant stands. What? (laughs) Their accountant stands. They're here for the sweet, sweet accountant life. The luxurious life of spreadsheets (laughs) and reading glasses. Yes. Dual monitors. So many spreadsheets. Oh my God, but it was just so, so sweet and so beautiful and how the town came together and just, you know, rain, yay, rain. We don't know what that's like in Colorado, but how everyone came together and and created this and made just the perfect day for them. And oh my God, it was so wonderful. And all right, I'm going to start crying again. So I'm going to shut up. <laughs> yeah, I watched it a couple weeks ago because I was trying. I've been watching a bunch of things, and now I've also been watching RuPaul's Drag Race for the first time. So that's a totally different experience than this. No crying. I haven't cried at that yet. So, <laughs> but it's easy to cry at Shit's Creek. It's it is yes yes and yeah it is it is easy to cry at this one out of joy though a, a happy cry. Uh, And I love their wedding. And what I love about Moira during the wedding is how she's like, I I can do this because Johnny can't do it because he's an emotional wreck. So he can't do it. And how she gets up there and she's like, and she just keeps saying it louder. And then she's like, but she's an emotional wreck as well. (laughs) That's what I love about it is that she's just like the way she gets and the look on David's face, which gets really loud. I can't remember what exact line it was. And it's just so, it's so great and so perfect and sweet. And, and I know that uh, Mariah Carey was very, very touched by the fact that her uh, lyrics were used in the vows. And um, I, I, and I know that that made Dan Levy very excited too. So I loved that as well. And yeah, it was just a perfect series finale, I think all around. And I love, of course, the last scene when they're driving away and they stop and look back and it's the Rose family on the welcome sign and, you know, and saying everyone's where everyone's welcome. Schitt's Creek where everyone's welcome. And I think that just sums up what the whole show is about. So absolutely, yeah. So that was just one of the best series finales I've seen in a while. I agree. I think it's one of it's one of the better ones. Yeah. 
Well, I want to just wrap up. We've already mentioned this a little bit, but I just want to know if there's anything else anyone wants to say about the lasting impact this show has had on the LGBTQIA plus community. Carla? I I hope that the lasting impact is a, a legacy of um, self-acceptance and knowing that there is somebody out there who will love you and accept you the way that you deserve to be loved and accepted. And that, you know, in this case, it happened to be within the family, within the community, but that even if your own family or community doesn't embrace you the way that you deserve to be, that there is going to be somebody out there who will. Just, you know, I, I think about the way that, you know, that um, that Alexis loves her her brother and the way that that Moira defends David so much when in many other senses, she's not a great mother. Um, the way that, that Johnny in his own well-meaning bumbling way <laughs> uh, is shouting, this is my son in his pan and he can sleep with whoever I want. And I endorse his, his, uh, his uh, beddings or whatever. Uh, he said to Stevie when he was high, just, I, I, I just, there's so many great things about the show. There are so many great moments and lines and little character ticks that will always stay with me. But one of the things that will stay with me the most is that it's the, that, that feeling of, of, of you deserve love and you deserve acceptance. And I truly hope that, that, other people can feel that too, that people in the LGBTQIA plus community can look to this as something that hopefully they have in their own lives that'll mirror that, or that will give them hope that they will at some point have it. Enjoy. Jeez, Carla, how am I supposed to follow that? (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys watch the, like, the special about Shit's Creek where they were like reading the letters from fans and just bawling and did you cry too because I did I was just like Uh, yeah gosh (laughs) so beautiful and like all the all the letters that fans wrote in and just like how much it impacted them um Mm -hmm. it it just was so profound and I didn't really realize what an impact it had until I until I watched that and I was like oh wow I didn't even like realize how what an incredible impact this show has had and people told me to watch it for a long time before I did and I have the same experience as your mom did Erin I tried to watch it and I could not get over Mr. Annoying Pants what's his name Roland (laughs) Roland oh my god he drove me crazy I yeah and so like when i finally watched it i was like oh oh i see and it's just yeah it's so incredible and unless you see it you don't understand how much beauty and love there is in in what they're saying in the show which is yeah totally driven by love like you said earlier carla and it's such a beautiful message to put out there and I'm really, really happy that I'm seeing more and more shows in that theme. So, 
Yes. And you know my mom and you've known my mom since you were five. <laughs> yes. And she said, so watch this. So you need to call my mom and also tell her. <laughs> I've never met your mom, but I will also call her. Yeah. I'll give everybody my mom's number. <laughs> Just randomly text her. Oh, I'm happy like, to call hey. her as well. Hi, yeah. Miss Aaron's yeah. mom. Um, I need to watch. I'm like Carla, to watch. her co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Because my mom already loves Carla because of listening to this podcast. She's always like, I love Carla so much. Thank you, Carla. Maybe she'll yes. listen to this as, as, and convince her. There right? you go. See, maybe she will, Joyce. Yeah, maybe she will. I'm hoping that I, yeah. yeah. Hi, Mom. <laughs> <Mech>. <laughs> I'm going to be honest here. Uh, Carla and Joyce and the after show special really talked very well about the impact this had on the community. I am not a, a part of the LGBTQI plus community, so I don't really feel like I have space to talk about that, the impact that it has on that community. So I'm going to leave it to people who said it much better. Oh, thanks for that, Meg. <laughs> uh, uh, not Sorry! Not part of the community either. I'm not sure I can speak about that. Um, however, I do know that uh, representation matters and and being able to see those characters in a positive light, as Schitt's Creek has shown us, uh, I imagine that has to be a, a good thing. But again, not being part of the community myself, I don't feel that I can speak on behalf of them. So sorry. No, it's fine. Fine. Uh, yeah. I mean, the only thing I'll add is yes, that, that, app, that special afterwards talking about it. It's just, once again, you know, one of the reasons I love doing this show and one of the reasons I want to do this show is to also have people know that media means something. And when you're consuming media, it, it can be important for you. Like I have discussed before Absolutely. the character, you know, Dean Winchester has been a complete Definitely. and total yeah. character that for me has been a very emotionally cathartic character journey to follow. And so I think the reason I like to do this, this one of the many reasons I like to do this podcast is to tell people that may think media is frivolous and it doesn't mean anything, that that's not true and it's important. And so it's important what you show in your media and for all the people that say it doesn't matter, having representation doesn't matter. Why would that matter? That's because you've been represented your whole life. Only people who have been represented their whole life are going to use those words. So once again, that's the big theme this year on this podcast. We've talked about other stuff as well. Is the fact that it matters. It matters. Seeing yourself matters. Seeing yourself being represented in a positive light matters. And you can tell that from all those letters that they received from, you know, following Dan Levy on Twitter, you see all the stuff he still gets every day, all the time, and how this show still has a lasting impact constantly. And I know it just recently ended, so it's not like it's been off the air for like 10 years. But still, that shows you, I think, that this show will have an impact for years and years to come. And it's just so amazing that this show um, happened and that it came along and that it was created and 
that it found a new life and a new home on Netflix. I mean, I know it wasn't a Netflix show, but I think if it hadn't come to Netflix, it wouldn't have found the wide audience that it did. So I'm really, really grateful that that did happen as well. And I'm just thankful that it was created because I'm thankful that there's something out there that can help people and have people give people hope in any way possible and change their life in any way possible, because that is what amazing art does. So, yeah. I forgot to mention, you were talking about your mom watching the show and I had to laugh and I meant to mention this because I, I had already finished binging it. And I remember talking to my mom. She's like, have you watched Shit's Creek? I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. It's the best show ever. (laughs) She absolutely, uh, my parents absolutely loved it. And I bought a Rose Apothecary uh, sweatshirt for her for her birthday. And she's like, I'm going to have to explain this to people. I'm like, go ahead. The more people that watch it, the better. Yeah. Or she might have a lot of people that come up to her and go, I love that show. That's what happens to me a lot when I wear any kind of of (laughs) fandom stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, this is a show that my mom, my mom was always like, I watch shows where people are happy and people are good. And it's not all violent and dark. And I'm like, mom, I have told you a million times to watch Shit's Creek. <laughs> this is well, the this show. Is show for her. <laughs> oh my God. Daughter. This is the perfect oh. one. Just, you know, fast forward the rolling parts. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have to be like, pure. Aaron's mom, if you're listening, we all feel that way about Roland. He's yes. just like, Aaron's mom. You need to watch the show. He's just, it's the price you pay for a really beautiful <laughs> story. Yes. I, yep. It's, it's yep. perfect. You will love it. Watch it. Okay. Well, thank you all so much. This has been a lot of fun and knock on wood that editing this episode will go smoother than it did with the first Shit's Creek episode. Cause I, <laughs> I am offended. My microphone has gotten no, no, no. It was, it was not intended. My microphone was awful. Yeah, her sound uh, was so off, and I couldn't get it to sync up because I tried a new. Oh, I know. I edit edit Carla's voice all the time. It's just the two of us, so it's a lot easier. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, but when she's not doing her Christian Bale impression. Okay, Christian fucking Bale, what are your thoughts on Schitt's Creek? Ah, thank you for asking me. I know that you've seen me all this time. I can't believe you've ignored me. Well, I just want to say that this show is so beautiful. I would have absolutely been on it had I been asked. However, I was not asked, so I was not on it. But I do believe I would have made an excellent character, perhaps a lover for David or a lover for Stevie, or a lover for Alexis. I love how I, you say lover. I know. <laughs> how else should I say it? This is how we say it in Wales. My <laughs> native Roman. Now, when we actually get Christian fucking Bale on the show, I mean, he's our mascot now, so eventually. <laughs> when we do actually get him on the show, you have to come on there with me to interview him. <laughs> Naturally. Yes, she does. And in, you in, have in to speak accent. in that yes, voice. In the Welsh accent. It's because you'll need, a, you'll need a translator, is why. <laughs> no. Christian, Christian Bale, listen. What she's saying is, Christian Bale, how did you feel when you were playing Batman? Did you enjoy working on that film? 
And Christian Bale will say, oh, now I understand what she's saying. She has that silly American accent. That you put me through when I'm working. When I'm not working, I don't know what they're saying, these silly Americans. And I will say, Christian Bale, I totally feel you. I love that Christian fucking Bale became such a part of this podcast. I can't even begin to express. <laughs> it's perfect. It's so perfect. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and close out. So, Carla, where can you and your wonderful podcast be found? Meg and I can be found at a podcast called Bed, Wet, or Behead, which you can find anywhere that you can find wonderful podcasts, uh, which is primarily you know, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and stuff like that. But find us anyway. On Twitter, we are at bedwedbehead.pod. On Instagram, we're at bed.wed.behead.pod. And on Facebook, just look for Bedwed or Behead Podcast, and you will find us in our many, many wonderful, amazing posts and pictures and stuff. And Joyce, do you want to be found? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Joyce is the post. Okay, Joyce. (laughs) (laughs) And Sarah. Or no, Meg. Why do I keep doing this to you, Meg? (laughs) Meg's feelings unappreciated. Carla, where's your podcast? (laughs) Where's your great podcast, Carla? Where can your... I am not trying all to right, do this. I, know. I, know. I, know. I, know. I know. I know. I know. I'm just teasing you. Um, you can find me on my new fan run IRS agent stand <laughs> website. I'm running a chat room. We're going to find some pictures and we're going to thirst do. over some really hot IRS agents. Uh, in reality, you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> Fawning over IRS agents. Obviously. <laughs> and accountants and accountants uh you can find me uh, at wisconsin which is w-i-s-c-o-n-a oh no i forgot see i didn't write it down so i forgot how to spell it this is carla's fault entirely this one she does get to have totally carla's fault it's a W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. And it is her fault because she gave it me is. this goddamn nickname. It I know, is. it's so funny Thanks, with all my, all my Twitter memories that come up because, you know, I've and, and they're all of your old Twitter handles. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I thought you had this a lot longer than you did. <laughs> no. Carla, Carla just has shaped my whole life. Carla and the... <laughs> Amazing uh, public servants and accountants yeah. working for the United States Internal Revenue Service. <laughs> this will become a new bingo square. <laughs> I would love to have a bingo square. Here's the next next bingo square. Erin forgets Megan exists on her podcast, which honestly I find hilarious because I'm so fucking obnoxious. <laughs> I don't know why it happened. <laughs> I'm so hard to ignore. And Aaron's like, oh, I gotta Okay, okay. So, Sarah, did you want to say where you can be found really quickly before he gets to your room? Anyway, uh, you can find me on Twitter at NateCamMom, N-A-T-E-C-A-M-M-O-M. Also on Instagram at N-A-T-E-C-A-M-M-O-M. Okay, this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing. <laughs> this is why I try and forget you. Because 
you smiled. <laughs> so be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you would like to potentially be one of our co-hosts on our upcoming Halloween trivia event, the 10-week event that's starting in September, and you want to be one of the co-hosts, not one of the contestants, one of the co-hosts, and you're a creator or you run a horror podcast, please reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And tomorrow night on our live stream, like I said, we're just going to do a hodgepodge thing. So I think Carla said she will be there. I don't know if Meg's going to be there. Every, everyone on this panel right now is welcome to be there. I have a feeling Joyce won't be there <laughs> just because it'll be live on camera. <laughs> I don't think I'll be there. I think I'm going to be at the lake. Okay. okay we get it, Meg. IRL. You know, it took me forever to realize what IRL meant. And also what I see in case you missed it. I see why am I, I would see that everybody post all the time. and be like, what the heck does this even mean? <laughs> I felt so stupid when I realized. So on our live stream, it will be just a hodgepodge. We're just going to talk about other LGBTQIA plus things. Uh, maybe if people in the chat want to ask us questions, Bailey, <laughs> I'm just saying, because Bailey always shows up for our chats because she's amazing. Um, then go ahead and do that. Um, and then, after that, we are going to have a couple of weeks of probably like three episodes a week. I don't know how I did this to myself again, but I did. And we're going to start having interviews again. So we have somebody lined up. And then we are still, I am still planning sometime in there to celebrate uh, Josh Rubin's new movie, Werewolves Within. Because, of course, Josh Rubin, we love Josh Rubin on this podcast, as everybody knows. Go listen to our Josh Rubin interview. So we are going to do, I don't know when it's going to be, but we are going to have a special thing just celebrating his uh, first I don't think it was his directorial debut, but his movie scare me. And until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and stop Asian hate. Thank you again for listening to It's a Fandom Thing. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Our logo was designed by Brooke Belly with cover art by Carla Timmies. Additional research was done by Megan Archuleta. Our Instagram and Facebook content producer and creator is Erin Amos, and our producer is Lila Tafola. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and remember, keep that fandom spirit alive. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.